Do you want to reach your next level in business and health? Do you need help unlocking your potential and taking action? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Lisa Pizik Show, a podcast that empowers women to change physically, emotionally, and financially and live a life they love. Now, here's your host, Lisa Pizik. Hello and welcome to the latest episode, episode 71 of the Lisa Pizik Show. So excited about this one today because I have my friend Kathy here with me and we're going to be talking about a subject that really affects a lot of people, a lot of people and one that's hard to sometimes identify and be okay talking about. And with Kathy, let me introduce her to you so you know exactly what I'm talking about. So Kathy is a successful real estate agent, entrepreneur, life coach, and family recovery coach who, Kathy, I'm so excited that you're launching your new brand, Kathy Stone Freedom From. So freedom is what we're talking about from the addictions that you have in your life. So what am I talking about? Drugs, alcohol, food, nicotine, caffeine other people, distractions, intimate relationships, depression, some of those things that as a community and as a world, we know are major issues. And in this podcast with Kathy, I want to bring some more awareness. I want to give you some how-to tips and really talk about what do we do when we struggle with this? Because it's more common than you think, and it's something that I really think we need to address. Now, Kathy's going to tell us all about her own personal experience with this. But I gotta tell you, she's come a long way. In her own words, she says she's able to get off depression meds, she was able to have better relationships, new hobbies, a new career, and I love this, her favorite gift, her husband, Ed. Aw, I love it. So Kathy, you are in Maryland. You're originally from Ohio. You've been in Maryland for over 30 years, married to Ed, and you enjoy moving, tennis, yoga, bar, your real estate, personal development. It's helped you become the woman that you are. But let's talk about where you came from and the stuff that you dealt with because it says here alcohol, drugs, eating disorders. I'm sure that led you to the work, this amazing freedom work that you're doing, the freedom from. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, yeah, well, I, um, have had a lot of freedom in my life. I just, I guess I started out, I think I was, I came out of the birth canal <laughs> with, a, you know, with cravings and issues with food. And by the time I was, um, six years old, one of my first food memories was, you know, walking into my dad's, uh, my parents' bedroom and swiping change off my dad's dresser to, you know, buy sugar, you know, and I, I bought some candy and I took them over to my first crush, Brian's house and shared them with him. And, you know, Brian was impressed, but you know, my dad wasn't. And, you know, the worst part was I felt guilty for stealing, but the worst part was I wasn't allowed to see Brian again. Like my dad thought it was Brian's fault that I was, you know, stealing the money to buy. So, when I was when I was ten, I'd go grocery shopping with my mom, and I would just I would sneak away from her, and I would go to the chocolate chip aisle, and I'd open this big bag of chocolate chips. I'd stuff as many as I could in my mouth and pockets, 
And then I'd shove the open bag to the back of the shelf and then catch up with my mom. Sometimes I was still chewing. And yeah. And then at Christmas, you know, sugar was always more powerful than Santa. And I would spend the weeks up. My mom would lock up the Christmas cookies in the freezer in the garage. And I would spend the weeks leading up to Christmas searching for the keys, linen closets, uh, dresser drawers, cupboards, you know, and sometimes I would just sit out in the garage and like try to figure out how I could open that freezer to get those cookies. And by the time I was 15, I was using cigarettes, drugs, and alcohol to control my weight. Uh, I had a fake ID, and we'd go down to Tim's bar at the University of Dayton, which um, you know was a bar. And Ohio was a 3-2 state by, back then. So I was 15, and after a long night of drinking with my friends, we'd head next door to Milano's, which was a famous Dayton sub shop. I'd eat this foot-long cheesesteak sub. But I, I wasn't finished. You know, when I got home, I'd sneak in the house, I'd open the refrigerator, I'd eat all the leftover chicken, spaghetti, roast beef. Mm -hmm. I, I still wasn't finished. You know, then I would go to the pantry. I'd eat the Doritos, the Oreos, the potato chips. When I was finally finished, I would go in the bathroom, I would stick my finger down my throat, and I'd throw it all up. And I did that over and over and over again, all through high school, all through college. I even did it at work. I, at 17, I was working at McDonald's. I'd go in for an early shift and I would eat all the, I would eat the pastries and the hash browns and go in the bathroom, throw them up. You know, at lunch, it was Big Macs, apple turnovers, french fries, and I just, you know, I practically did this on every shift until one day the manager caught me in the drive-thru with my mouth full of chocolate chip cookies when I was supposed to be serving a customer and that ended my career at the Golden Arches. <laughs> and I was, I was pretty devastated. I was really devastated. I didn't want my, I didn't, I, that was the first job I got fired from. Wow. And that's, yeah, but I didn't really realize it was the food that was the problem. You know, I just didn't even connect the dots. So when I went to college, I joined a sorority because I wanted to have some structure to my social life. And I always felt like an outcast at dinner. Always, you know, um, we would sit at the table and there were these plates and they were like perfectly portioned out. And I was just like, that just like made me crazy, you know, because it just, you know, it just didn't seem like enough food for me. Mm -hmm. And so I was always like having these thoughts in my mind. Well, you know, is there anybody going to be sick? At, and should I pick this table because there's less people and maybe there'll be more food? Uh, because sometimes there was like a little bit left over or maybe somebody won't want their dessert. You know, these calculations were going through my head all the time before the meal even started. You know, um, so this led me to one of my most shameless escapades ever, and that was the late plates. The late plates were these plates that were set aside for the girls that had late classes, and they were in the kitchen, and the house mother would put them in there, and so if you had a late class, you would come home and get your dinner. Well, 
I would sneak in the kitchen after dinner and I would start picking at the plates. And you know, sometimes like you have, if you took, you know, some chicken off of one plate, you had to make them all look the same. So I would end up taking like chicken off all the plates or I'd take a bite of all the desserts so that everything would be like, you know, yeah. And the house mother caught on, you know, eventually. And she's had to start locking up the kitchen because, you know, everybody was getting upset and nobody knew it was me. So my behavior, those behaviors pretty much continued all through college. And then when I was 22, I realized I needed some help and I was able to quit, uh, quit drinking, mm-hmm. quit taking drugs. I quit throwing up. Um, but the food, I guess it was when I quit smoking, the food really got out of control. Um, mm. I was using the smoking to sort of not eat. So when I quit smoking and I was, I was determined that I wasn't going to throw up again, the food really got out of hand. And I was a flight attendant at the time. And that's way back when, when they had weight checks for flight attendants. And I was binging. Yeah, so this was a long time ago. What? Oh, my god. This gosh. was, like, a long time ago. <laughs> Where, like, this was back in 1986. I was a flight attendant, 1987, probably before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in 81. <laughs> oh, so you're just amazing. So you don't remember that. But, um, I don't. <laughs> yeah, so they, had these, they had weight checks, you know, and wow. I was busting out of my uniform. I could, I'd get on the airplane, and I couldn't stop binging. I couldn't stop binging on peanuts. I would eat like 30 bags and then I would just start crying. I was like so upset. I had no control, but I, I really, really didn't want to, you know, start smoking again. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to start throwing up again. Um, so I kind of went through this like sort of binge starve cycle. I got, um, I met someone 30 years ago, like I guess it was in 1987 that told me I needed to quit eating sugar. And I was just like pissed, you know, Mm -hmm. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I just gave up alcohol and drugs. And now you're telling me I need to quit eating ice cream. I was like, so upset, Mm -hmm. but I just thought I would try it for a little while because I was miserable. You know, I was just miserable and I felt, you know, horrible. I was at my highest weight and I just, you know, I felt horrible. And so I just tried it. And basically I just started eating like three meals a day. I started eliminating sugar, you know, and I, I started feeling better. Um, but once I lost all my weight, I thought, well, you know, um, maybe I can start eating sugar again. So I started eating sugar and before I knew it, I was back to binging the binge starve cycle for years. And then, um, one day in the late nineties. Uh, yeah. So in the food used to call to me, like, you know, I'd go into work and somebody would bring in like some donuts and it'd be like, they were haunting me like Kathy, you know, you want me, you know how good I'm going to taste. Said the chocolate one, Kathy, don't deprive yourself. Mm. Said the cream filled one. It was like they were talking to me. It was just crazy. And before I knew it, I'd eaten six donuts. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, I'd get home from work. And if there was ice cream in the refrigerator, it was like, Kathy, you know, I'm in here. You know, you want a second bowl. 
Yeah. I, you know, Lisa, sometimes I get so pissed off with that ice cream, I'd throw it in the trash can. Yep. And then I'd hear, Kathy, I'm not melted yet. <laughs> you can dig me out. <laughs> and I would dig it out of the trash can and eat it. Mm -hmm. It was just crazy. So I knew I had um, a problem, but mm. I, I thought I could control it on my own mm -hmm. until one day, like in the late nineties, I was working as a flight attendant. This is right before I left. Um, I just found out this guy that I was like obsessed with was getting married to another woman. Mm. And I was like, I was so upset. So I'm, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, walking through Terminal B, and I stop at the candy kitchen, and I get, you know, this chocolate almond bark, and I get this big bag of popcorn, and I get on my flight to L.A., mm -hmm. and I immediately go to the back galley to see what they're serving for dinner. And there's this guy in 12, 12C that, like, asked me for a pillow, and I was, like, pissed off. I was like, dude, <laughs> don't you know, I am looking to count the desserts. You know, I was so irritated that he even had the right to ask me for a pillow. I mean, it was just like, mm -hmm. and I started, you know, it was there, you know, flying 34,000 feet, you know, on my way to LA over Kansas that I realized, you know, I'm not, you know, if this plane goes down, I'm not going to be able to save any of these passengers. But the biggest revelation I had was that I wasn't going to be able to save myself and I needed help. And it was a short time after that, that I went to the exact right place to get the exact help I needed to be free once and for all. So now, you know, I've been off refined sugar and flour for 19 years. Woo! Yeah. And I, you've been following my food plan and I haven't had any unhealthy eating behaviors. I've maintained my weight and I have complete freedom in my life, which is, it's bizarre. I mean, every day I wake up, I'm like, there's food, there's like food in my pantry, there's food in my refrigerator, you know, and I just take, you know, what I need and eat it. And it's just, yeah, it's such an amazing life. And like you talked about, as a result of letting go of the food and surrendering and, you know, getting to what was underneath my eating and making those changes, you know, I was able to, um, you know, just start a whole new life. Um, I had got a new career. I, um, you know, I got married for the first time. I've only been married 10 years, but I was able to really learn how to have relationships. I never had a successful relationship until, you know, I got married at 45 and we're so happy now. Um, I got, you know, new hobbies, new interests, uh, better relationships with my friends, New, you know, I'm starting this um, coaching. I've been able to help so many people and just, you know, so many things have opened up and I'm still growing. And yeah, so it's been an amazing, amazing journey. And, and I just appreciate the opportunity to be here and share it with you. Oh my gosh, Kathy, where do I even begin? Okay, so first I want to say a huge thank you for sharing just such real and raw and true things that happened in your life. You know, like, like from an outsider looking in, you're like, that chick is crazy. Like the food is talking to her and she's, you know, stealing money and getting upset at this and doing all these crazy things. And that's reality. 
that's life. Like a lot of the feelings, the anger and the guilt, and you were searching for something and you feel like that food was more powerful than you were or whatever that addiction is, the smoking or the drugs or the bulimia or whatever it was that you struggled with, you felt like that thing was the more powerful force than you. Mm -hmm. And I think that those are really real emotions that people feel. So first I just want to say thank you for sharing that because I don't think a lot of people have the balls that you do to be able to like say that as bluntly and honestly as you said it. That means you're the real deal. And I want to honor you for that. Number two, I love that you had that realization about you couldn't save other people but you had to save yourself first. Mm. And I think a lot of times when I, you know, in the health and fitness industry, when I talk to people and I say, you know, what's your why? Or we always talk about that. What's your why? What's your reason for change? Everybody always says, oh, it's my kids or it's my husband. It's like people are afraid to say it's me. Like I want this for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the realization for you that you realized, like you said, you hadn't had a healthy relationship in multiple areas of your life. So, and you knew that you needed to get help, mm -hmm. right? So yes. what, what was it that made you realize that you needed to get help, that, that this was bigger than you? Was it the, the emotional roller coaster that you'd been on since you were six, as you described, like six and 10 and a teenager? And that was it honestly that like that plane was going down and you were like this is like this is it this is like d-day this is this is the moment or like what was it that you were like I can't keep doing this myself and failing mm -hmm. yeah or, I was just so mad at myself you know mm -hmm. I hate I just was so pissed off at myself and just hated myself and I was fed up I'm like mm -hmm. and I knew I knew I had some people that I had known over the years that had you know done what I've done with food and I just kind of had them in the back of my mind. And so I kind of, I knew where I needed to go to get help. I had just not been ready. Um, I just didn't want to give up that control for so many years. Mm. I did not want to give up control of food mm. and I thought I could control it. You know, I have good days and bad days, but I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to let somebody else take control of my food. I went away Mm -hmm. And basically I had no control over my food there, but I thought I'm going to go there and I'm going to give up control. And after, you know, five days, if, if things don't get better, I can come back home and I can go back to my old ways. But I just figured I'm going to give it a shot because I was pretty much at the end of my rope. And mm -hmm. once I started, once I let go, um, where I went in Florida, you know, I didn't have any control over my food. There were people like me that were eating with me every day and they were basically telling me what to eat, when to eat. If I wasn't, didn't finish my plate, they were like, you need to, you need to continue eating your plate, you know? And, you know, I had all those crazy thoughts in my mind. Oh my gosh, they're trying to fatten me up or, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I just let go. I did exactly what they said. And mm -hmm. by giving up that control, I totally got my freedom. Mm. And I came back. They taught me how to grocery shop. They taught me how to, you know, cook. 
Um, I got off, the, they, they taught me what meals look like and I was on a regular meal schedule. And like I said, after coming back from there, I never, never had a craving again. Wow. So I love that it was almost like anger and then release. Were yeah. Like the two emotions that you had. You know, sometimes we hear anger and we're like, oh, don't be mad. Trust the process. And you're like, no, I was like pissed off at myself. I was pissed off and I kept relapsing. And sometimes anger can be a good thing. Because yeah. it makes you hit that moment where you're like, I can't keep living like this anymore. Like enough is enough, right? Yeah. And then I love that just release of, you're like, I'm going all in. I'm going to go and I'm going to go all in. Because so many people are like, well, I'll try. And you're like, no, you have to just do, like commit to it. Commit to it for a day. Commit to it, you know. And, and that's not to say some people maybe won't relapse. But if you never try and you never commit and you never release, you'll never get there. So you talked about at this place, they helped you with your portions and your eating. So what's the kind of stuff that you help people with? Is that kind of what you do for? What's kind of your process in a way? of What are like the components or things that you think are necessary in helping people overcome food addiction or any of those addictions that they have? Yeah, well, I think um, definitely I recommend people go to a nutritionist and do, um, you know, get a food plan. I mean, the, the food plan I've been on, I've pretty much been on it for 20 years. Uh, and it's you know, there's been a few adjustments, but for the most part, it, I love it. It works great. I never feel deprived. I travel. I eat out at restaurants. Like I said, I haven't gained weight. Mm -hmm. um, I eat really good food, and I'm really – I crave healthier foods now. You know, I still eat a steak. Um, I'll still eat sweet potato fries on occasion, mm -hmm. um, you know, and but I pretty much eat three meals a day and a snack. Uh, and they're all balanced and, you know, I eat fat and everything. I don't, you know, order, eat any special, you know, foods or anything like that. Just, you know, it's pretty, pretty simple basically. Um, but I think a nutritionist is good because everybody's needs are different. And, um, so I would encourage them to, and I'm not a nutritionist, but a lot of people have been on my food plan. You know, I've seen it work for hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, I, I always offer that, you know, if people want that. I'm happy to give mm -hmm. it to them and yeah. help them with that. Um, so, you know, get the food plan mm -hmm. and then really you have to get um, a support system in place, you know, because food is everywhere. And it's kind of like when you think about alcohol and if you're trying to give up alcohol, you know, you're not going to go to the bars with your friends every night. You know, mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to do that. So you're going to have to find a subset of friends. Mm -hmm. um, it's not saying you have to give up all your old friends, but you need to kind of step back and get a new subset of friends um, so that you can get support. You know, it's with anything, you know, it's like even when you think about like personal development, you know, or you know, when you're taking on something new, doing something different, you're going to have all those naysayers. Mm -hmm. So you need to be around the people that are going to support you. And so that's the same way with the food. You've got to be around people that understand what you're dealing with because You'll go home to mom and you'll say, and she, you know, year after year, she'll say, oh, you could just have one piece, you know, and it's yes. getting pushed on you. And, you know, some people don't understand. And I'm very lucky because my parents and my in-laws both were very, very supportive mm -hmm. for many, many years. So, um, so you need a support system. That's the, that's, you know, the, definitely the thing that you need. And then 
you have to, um, and along with the nutritionist, you, you've got to let go of the diet mentality, you know, because mm -hmm. a diet is based on willpower and a food plan is really based on you're powerless over food. So mm -hmm. by admitting you're powerless, you know, you're, you're going to stick to this food plan, which is, you know, kind of similar when you think about having a budget, you know, it's not about deprivation. It's just about having a budget, eating eating within your means, eating what your what your body needs so that you don't go into, um, you know, um, unhealthy debt with your with your body or mm -hmm. so you're not unhealthy with food. So it's a way it's a new way of looking at things. So I teach people that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then the third thing is really, um, you know, you know, keep investing in yourself and watering, you know, looking, getting to what's underneath. I mean, that's key. Like for me, the big things that were underneath my food addiction were I needed to leave my job as a flight attendant. I was really stuck in that job, but I was afraid to leave. Like it was like the security and I had this, all this fear of the unknown, but yet I didn't like it. It was not fulfilling. I had to travel. I had to be around food. I was just, didn't like it mm -hmm. yet I wasn't honoring my my what I wanted because I was too afraid so I wasn't in alignment with what I wanted and I was eating over that so I was like on this cycle I remember going to my therapist for like years and I, I felt like I was like um, a broken record I gotta quit that job I gotta quit that job you know and and then the next week I can come in, oh, the job's okay, the job's okay. And then the next week, oh, I got to quit that job. I got to quit. You know, it was like this yes. roller coaster. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if anybody, you know, can relate to that, but that was one thing that was keeping me stuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing was uh, relationships. You know, I, I had really dysfunctional relationships with men, and I really used the food to sort of um, – you know, when I got, you know, I used, I guess I used my body to sort of get attention from men. So I, I was brought up, I always thought, well, if I'm skinny and pretty, I'll have attention from men, I'll have guys, and then I'll be happy. It's kind of a cultural thing, you know, mm -hmm. that the culture tells us. And yeah. so, you know, I attracted guys like the wrong way, you know, and I didn't, I wasn't really getting my needs met. And then, um, you know, and then I would, you know, I would not eat when I broke up with somebody and, and I was, would have these fantasy relationships. It was really kind of crazy. So a lot of my food addiction was, was like really growing up. A lot of it was to keep me like a child and keep mm -hmm. me emotionally dependent. And mm -hmm. a part of my recovery was like really growing up and being a woman, you know, mm -hmm. and taking responsibility for my own life and not expecting somebody to take care of me financially, emotionally, Mm -hmm. Um, and that was a lot of what was underneath it, my eating and not eating because I went, you know, I went both ways. I've been pretty much everything on the food scale. I've been compulsive overeater. I've been overweight. I've been underweight. I've been pretty much everything. Now I'm normal weight and I've been like this for 20 years. So yeah, I love how you talk about taking responsibility 
Like that's huge. Right. And it goes back to even that story on the plane where you're like, no one's going to save me. I can't save anyone, but I got to save myself first. And I love your steps or the things that people should be looking at. So go to a nutritionist, get a proper food plan for you. And with that nutritionist, you can talk about your likes, your dislikes, you know, you can get that sucker tailored to you. So as you said, you don't feel deprived. You don't feel like you're giving up everything you love. You don't feel like maybe you're making these huge, drastic, all or none diet mentality start you know can't have this this food's bad that food's bad but you just get a better relationship with food support system is huge as you talked about investing in yourself and bringing out what's underneath I think that's a piece that nobody wants to address Mm-hmm. Right in our cell. It's so hard to get to the root of why we do what we do and those past stories and things. But I love that you said you went to your therapist and you talked mm-hmm. about it and you, again, knew you needed help to be able to address that underlying reason why you were making the choices that we were making because we all have a reason why we do what we do, mm-hmm. right? And giving mm-hmm. yourself a little bit of self-love there and some grace at saying, I'm doing this, I don't like it, I want to change it, let me go talk about it with someone. Mm -hmm. Bring it to the surface, and that will help me make better changes. You know, I love how you said, like, diet is based on willpower, which everybody will fail when we're given that option. And so many times when we talk about emotional eating, it's like, well, take all the food out of the house that, you know, you know that you eat. And we're given kind of these surface-level band-aids almost mm-hmm. right which not that they're bad that's good advice but I love that you're like you got to get to the root you, know, you talked about getting underneath you were living in fear you know fear from leaving that security of that job you were you know talking about your relationships and that sort of stuff and these are like deep level things mm-hmm. that it's like you had to be courageous to meet that head on and go when this changes the rest will change, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, love, I love that advice. That's almost like that four-step part, right? See a nutritionist, get a subset of friends if the current ones aren't supporting, you know, what you're trying to do. Invest in yourself and get to that underneath part and look at your relationships, mm-hmm. right? Because it's all connected. Yeah. And I think, um, like for some people, um, you know, for sugar, refined sugar and flour were really big trigger foods for me. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't have them. You know, I would just, if I had one, I would just start thinking about it. And so I did have to eliminate those, but you know what? I don't, I, I know it sounds like shocking, but I don't even think about it. And I have gone through 20 Thanksgivings, 20 Christmases, 20 birthdays, 10 anniversaries, and a wedding without eating refined sugar. And it's, you know, it kind of blows me away, but it's, you only have to do it for one day. Mm -hmm. You only have to do it for one day. Um, But, you know, some people don't have that. You know, some people just need to, you know, they don't necessarily need to cut that out of their diet unless it's really causing them a problem. Right. Um, you know, but I still like, you know, even not eating those foods, I don't feel deprived, you know, um, yeah. cause I feel full cause my meals are pretty, are, you know, they're, they're, you know, satisfying and, um, yeah. And just like, it's a continued investment in yourself, you know, and it really, when you think about it, people, 
I heard this um, this past week. I was at Brandon Burchard, and yeah, you know, we invest in new cars, we invest in big houses, and you know, cars depreciate, but mm-hmm. houses can't appreciate. But we invest in all these outside things. But the best investment is really yourself. Totally. You know, and I tell people like. I remember when I was like, um, I was probably like 24, 25 years old or no, I was 30. I was 30 by this time, but I didn't really have any money at all. I lived in this tiny apartment with, um, and I bought, I paid a thousand dollars for my Honda Accord. This is back in probably like 19, early 1990s. Yeah. And I, um, but I always spent money. I wanted to see this therapist in Baltimore who I knew could help me. Um, cause I just heard other people and she didn't even accept insurance and I wasn't making that much money, but I always saved my money and I went to this therapist. I didn't care. I was like, I'm going to the best therapist. I want to get better. And I just mm-hmm. always invested in myself, you know, and I've been investing in my therapy, my treatment, my personal development for, for 30, you know, for 30 years now. And I can't tell you the dividends of mm-hmm. peace and happiness and freedom, you know, things that money can't buy, things that I have on the inside, you know, self-control, you know, um, restraint that like you just can't buy it, you know, and it was worth every penny I spent, you know, yeah, it's not cheap. And I still have two coaches right now. I have two coaches and um, a lot of uh, other trainers that I, you know, I work with. Yeah. Um, just to keep moving forward in my life, you know, it's just because I want more, you know, I want to grow myself more and, mm-hmm. you know, help other people and give back everything that I've been given. So there's no way to do that without support, you know, because, yeah. it's, you know, scary putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. So don't yeah. be afraid to invest in yourself because that's yeah. investment. And I do. I, I agree. I have coaches as well. I'll always have a coach. I know, Kathy, we're in the same mastermind right now, which is how we met, right? It's yeah. like that coach or that therapist or that person is accountability, is perspective, is, is what everybody needs. Everybody, everybody needs a someone, right? right. And, and as women, if we can think about who we give to, children, spouses, clients, if you're a business owner, your boss, if you work a nine-to-five, we give, but then you got to have that flip side of the people that help you, right? Mm-hmm. you got to get yeah. that back. So, oh, yeah. I love that. And one thing I love is to back up for a second. I love, I wrote down, come in with an open mind. Because that's kind of what was popping up for me when, like you said, I remember back in your story in the beginning when you were saying, give up sugar. And you were like pissed. You were like, I am not giving up. Like, are you crazy? You wanted to punch that person probably and be like, I am not giving up. I, you know, the ice cream was talking to you. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, I can't imagine my life without ice cream. And you hear people say that they're like, I could never go without bread. I could never go without pasta. I could never, but you're right. It's like, just try it. Cause you'd be amazed at the things that you claim you could never go without you'd be mm-hmm. amazed at the things that you realize that you actually can go without, right? Yeah. Like you never yeah. know until you try. Right? Yeah. And it's a cultural thing. You know, what I realize is that through marketing and advertising, that the culture makes us think we need things. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's all marketing. You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, I, 
I did something several years ago or four years ago that because I was drinking coffee and I was drinking caffeine. I love my caffeine and I love my coffee. I drank like two cups a day and I did it for many years. And I, I, I was looking at it one day and I was like, I really feel like I need this coffee. And I was like, I don't, I want to try something. I'm going to try giving it up because I don't want to feel like I have to have it, you know? And that was just like making me a little crazy, especially with what I've been through and, Mm-hmm. So I decided that I was going to give it all up and I gave up the caffeine, the decaf, sodas, everything. And it took a while. It took a while and I really kind of grieved it. Um, but after a year and I started seeing like benefits as soon as I gave it up. But after a year, I, my whole life, like I feel so much better, like my mm-hmm. energy and everything. And I never, like I have more energy now than I ever did when I was drinking coffee. I don't need it to wake up. I don't need it to exercise. It's a miracle. Mm-hmm. But for so long, I was just like, you know, I can't wake up unless I have my coffee. Mm-hmm. And that was just a lie that the marketer, marketers tell us. They yeah. make us believe, they get us sort of dependent on things mm-hmm. and then, you know, we have to have them and that's what they want, you know, but, and I'm not saying that coffee's bad or anything like that, but for me, yeah. I was just, I don't like anything that has any kind of power over me, you know, and I was like, and now, you know, they're talking about the sodas and everything not being great for you. So I really wanted to let go of that, but and some people are okay. Like my husband can have a cup of coffee every, you know, so often, but yeah, I just didn't want to have that like dependency where I felt like I couldn't get out of bed unless I had my coffee. Yeah. That's like a huge guiding question for listeners to think, what do you feel powerless against? Is it a type of food? Is it a person? Is it a thing? Is it a drink? Like what is it? And then don't be afraid to question Like, does it have to be this way? Is this true? Is this, you know, it's like, like you said, the marketers make us believe that we need coffee to wake up. Is that really true? Do you actually absolutely vitally need it? Right? So don't be afraid to question. You're right. It's so hard. I mean, we could have a whole dang separate podcast about marketing ploys and the messagings that we have and the way the supermarkets are set up and the way food menus are set up, the way you look at things. They're good at, and that's their job, and they're good at what they do. But Kathy, I think the point that you really drive home, which I love, is that you are more powerful than maybe you think. You can have that power over any of those addictions, any of that food, any of those lies that you're telling yourself that you need this or you can't survive without this or any of that kind of stuff. Because you're proof. You're proof that the ice cream was calling your name, and now you can just walk past yeah. it. And say no, yeah. thank you. And your life is so much better for it, right? So yeah. Oh my gosh, I love my life, and I love the freedom I have. And and, and like every day, I wake up, and I still can't believe it. I still can't believe that food doesn't call to me, and that I don't have cravings, and that I eat like a normal person, that I can can go out to dinner with people, that I can go to a party and be more interested in the people, and not be distracted by what's on the mm-hmm. you know on the table. And it's just it's so you know, it's uh, such a gift. I love it. So any, I love it too. Any words of advice that you have. So let's say people are making a change, you know, they've seen the nutritionist, 
they're going to a therapist or they're, they're doing their own internal personal development and work to get to that underlying stuff. They know who they can and can't be hanging out with or, you know, even if they have to hang out with them, they know how to manage that kind of stuff with that friendship and the subsets. But what should they say to people, whether it's family, you know, in-laws, moms, dad, whoever it is, that is like the naysayers, right? Because people deal with that all the time where they're like, oh, why are you giving up sugar? What are you crazy? What are you never going to eat birthday cake or, you know, eat, eat, you know, you need to have more, more, more on your plate. Like, I think people do really deal with that social anxiety that mm -hmm. they know that family dinners are coming up, barbecues, weddings, baby showers, that they know people are either going to A, make comments, B, push food they don't want on them you know is it just as simple as saying no thank you and not explaining is it as simple as saying I'm not happy with the things going on in my life and I know some things need to change I'd love your support or what's kind of like the best thing that they could say to someone yeah Lisa I think you have it it's no thank you you know um, you know it's just like when you're eating dinner out at a restaurant and the server asks you would you like to order dessert no thank you it's just like um, if somebody pushes you know a piece of cake on me I say no thank you I'm full and mm -hmm. I they say oh you just want to take why don't you just take a taste of it and I say oh no thank you I just say no thank you no thank you <laughs> um, you know I try not to explain too much you know sometimes I do you know if it's somebody that's closer, but, um, mm -hmm. or I just say, Hey, I don't, I have an allergy. I have an allergy to sugar and flour. Now it's easy with, um, flour so much. You can say you're gluten free, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, for the most part, I just, it's no, thank you. I'm full. Um, I appreciate it, but no, thank you. And, um, and then I try to stay away from sugar and flour. I stay away from sugar and flour. Um, so, and nobody really, you know, I don't, I try not to draw too much attention to myself. I don't anymore. Like, yeah. um, nobody would ever think that I have any kind of eating issues if you were around me, you yeah. know, cause I yeah. feel like totally normal and you were around me. Did I don't, Oh, you probably didn't go out to lunch with us when we were in California, but no, um, I yeah. So I just eat normal. You know, I eat with people, I eat out with people and yeah. nobody knows that I have any issues. Yeah, I love that. And listeners, you couldn't see Kathy's face when she said no thank you, but she was beaming from ear to ear. So that's proof in itself that A, you are powerful. B, you don't have to explain yourself. No thanks. I'm good. Leave it at that. And C, I could see how much Kathy's beaming because this is a woman that truly does love her life. And I'm so happy that, you know, you've been able to overcome all of this. And I think that's what you want and I want and we all want for everyone that we encounter, right? Is to feel empowered and powerful and in, in control and in charge of our own life. And that's what yes. it's all about. So, yes. Kathy, I know your new brand, your website is launching, but what is the best way if anybody wants to get in contact with you or get your services or ask for your help or resources or something? What's the best way? Is it an email, social media? What's the best way they can get in touch with you? Yeah, they can email me at Kathy at kathystone.org okay. or you can call me directly um, 443 my phone number is 443-415-6287 awesome. uh, you can follow me on Instagram I've been so busy with my new launch and I haven't been as active and I'm doing finishing up my you know my Bo Easton mastermind next this month in October and then I'm doing some more coaching training with Brendan Burchard in November. Nice. Um, so 
but then once I get my new brand, my social media is going to be transferred over. So I'll be focusing more on that. Um, but right now it's at Kathy Stone T or at Kathy Stone or, and then on Facebook, the Kathy Stone organization. Um, and that will be my parent company. And then my, under that, my new brand, Kathy Stone Freedom From. Is going to be my brand. I love it, Kathy. The world needs you. I'm so glad to be able to spread your message on my podcast. My listeners, a lot of my listeners are Brenda Bouchard fans. We all go to HPA and read his Oh, I love Brendan. I know. So you're in good company. They all know Bo. They know Brendan. They know the whole gang. We all love personal development. We nerd out about it. So yeah. you are amongst friends with the yeah, that you're cool. doing. Yeah, cool. No, awesome. that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so thank you, Kathy, again. You rocked it. And yeah, I'll make sure I put in the show notes, guys, Kathy's phone number, her website, her Facebook, all those ways if you want to get in touch with her. Go find a nutritionist, look at your subset, get to that underlying stuff, those relationships, all of it, look at it. You have the power to live the best life ever. You just got to surrender to it and make those changes. And know that in myself and Kathy, you've got a ton of support along the way. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again next time on the Lisa Pizek Show. You've been listening to the Lisa Pizek Show. For more free business and health training, go to www.lisapizek.com.